Ace Podcast. Blood and Black Rum Podcast presents Ghost in the Shell 2017. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from the MoviesDeadWorld.net. I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? And uh, we're back with another episode after missing last week. Unfortunately, um, we didn't do the Red Queen kills seven times because, first of all, I thought it was a little bit overkill to do another Jalo so soon since they're not very well known and probably not something that people are really dying to hear about right back to back like that. But also because we need a break from the podcast for a week and um, we're back and ready to go. Yeah. Um, we ventured out to the local theater yesterday and saw the new film Ghost in the Shell, which is a, uh, it's not really a remake, but, uh, a, a reboot slash homage to the original anime from 1995 starring Scarlett Johansson. We were the only ones in the theater. It was great. It was, uh, awesome when that happens. And it happens commonly around here where we head out to the theater and, no one's there, <laughs> especially because like we go on weird weeknights a lot of times because we can't get there on the weekends. You work on the weekend. Yeah. Um, so it's easier to go on a, on a weeknight. And um, a lot of people just don't go out on the weeknights around here to go see a movie. And I don't know how many people around here are like raring to go see Ghost in the Shell either. Because I, I was at work and I was saying, oh, I, you know, I saw Ghost in the Shell last night and all my uh, coworkers were like, what? What's that? What is so no one even no one in my work even knew about what this film was at all. <laughs> that Super Bowl ad paid off. <laughs> yeah, right. That I mean, three minute trailer they played during the Super Bowl ad. Really, people weren't looking for that. They were looking for puppies and Clydesdale horses and uh, Pepsi and Coke ads. Maybe an Oreo here and there. Mm. They weren't looking for a scientific uh, fiction film <laughs> that. Well. Maybe the guys were when Scarlett Johansson popped on, but other than that, I don't know. Yeah, my my coworkers were not interested in it whatsoever. Tried to explain it to them, like, yeah, it's actually based on a 1995 anime film. It's like, they were gone. <laughs> They're already out. But uh, um, we wanted to see it because we've already covered Ghost in the Shell, the anime on here previously. About a year ago, actually. I think yeah. it, it's been just about a year since we covered it. Perfect timing. Yeah, it really was. Um... And, I mean, the trailers looked pretty interesting for it, from what we've seen. Um, they looked very similar to the anime itself, like the a live-action version of it. So, we wanted to see what the, all the hubbub was about. Or the lack thereof. Or the lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, because well, when you go into, like, films like this, we always have to bring up the, um, the RoboCop uh, snafu that occurred. <laughs> with that remake, wherein we saw it and pretty much hated it. Um, a, not a testament to the original film at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, so, like, that's always weighing on the mind when you go to see something like this. A franchise that's beloved. Uh, <laughs> the original film is one that we really enjoy. And you never know what you're going to get when you go to something like this. Because... Major Hollywood adaptation. It it could be. I mean, there's a ch- there was a chance that it could be really horrible, 
like really bad. And there was a chance that it could be like outstanding, really good if they adapted the themes well and then updated them because there's a lot of time has passed technologically wise since 1995. Like we're it's 22 years later. So a lot of things have changed. Obviously we're not into the techno cyberpunk future that ghost in the shell, uh, surmises, but, uh, a lot of things that are different from that time period. And there's a chance to update some of the things that occur in that film for, live action for one thing and then also just more contemporary audiences who probably a lot of them have not experienced that anime at this point yeah i mean before we get into actually like the film itself how many people do you think are seeing ghost in the shell the remake well i shouldn't say remake because it's not really but uh, for lack of a better term that's what i'll use uh how many people are seeing ghost in the shell the remake that have not seen the original how many do you think? Like, I mean, is that going to be a majority of the people? <clears throat> I mean, I would almost say, just from the marketing of the film alone, it's only going to speak to people who probably enjoy the anime or science fiction. I don't. I don't think it's going to be the blockbuster that they, you know they thought it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I thought the trailers were well put together. To be honest with you, uh, um. I love the franchise. I'm a big fan of the, you know, the movies and the TV series. Never actually read the manga, but but I, I, going in when I heard about it, I was like, this is gonna be bad because I go into all these types of things like, oh, you're gonna do this in his uh, feature film, it ain't gonna end up good. But I saw the trailers, I'm like, wow, you know what? That this actually looks like it might be pretty good. It might be. Oh, from the trailer, it looks like it's gonna be have a lot of like shot for shot remakes of like the from the film, but it looks like it's gonna be good, and they're gonna add like instead of a like philosophical twist to it, it's gonna be something like kind of like a generic like what about my past or revenge type thing. And sure enough, that's what it ended up being. But I mean, I don't see it as being like a film that's really going to. Drawing a lot of drawing people. Drawing a lot of... No, because, I mean... Yeah. I mean, outside of, like, superhero films and, like, Star Wars, like, what, like, sci-fi stuff is really, like... Well, there has big. been a little bit of a resurgence, maybe not so much, like, in theaters, Hollywood style, but uh, some more indie projects, Ex Machina being one of them, um, releasing a couple years ago, and, um, you know, just, I guess, yeah, but besides that, some of the, the more indie projects, not not big name stuff really has come out. That's like completely about like cybernetics and robotics no. and stuff like that. Not that I can, I, I can't really see very many people um, like regular viewers being interested in going out to see this unless they really are big science fiction fans or something like that. And again, just knowing the property for one thing would be, would be the biggest thing of why you'd go out to see this. Well, I've got to see it because I like the anime. I want to see what they did with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't see a lot of people going out who aren't fans of the anime. And I think then that begs the question of like, how well did they adapt the anime for a live action film for a big Hollywood production? And I think we'll get into it more in the actual review portion of the film itself. But I think that it's um, kind of 
like in the middle. Like it's it's not a great adaptation of the original, but it's also like not abysmal. I wouldn't say that it's like oh wow, you really destroyed the original's ideas and stuff like that. I think that it's fairly faithful to the ideas. I think and almost keep, too faithful. I think it ke- I think it keeps the spirit, but at the same time, there are some parts that are total bastardization. Yeah. Um, like you said, I won't say it's a bad remake or adaptation by any means, but there are some things that are really good about it, and there's other things that are kind of like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. You're, you're doing this to... Just to fuck around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think that... Um, like again, we're trying not to get into it too far yet. But do you think like anime fans who really like that original film, not even so much like the the next installments of Ghost in the Shell, like Standalone Complex or anything like that, but just the original film, do you think they would they would enjoy this new remake? I mean, it all depends on what they liked from the first film. Yeah. Um, if you like the. If you like the action, you know, if the action from the first film was one of the driving points, then you're going to like the action in this film. If you were more like, I like the, you know, the aesthetic from the first film, you might like it and you might not like it because it's a total transition from, you know, animation to live action. If you're all about that, the philosophy from the first film, then probably not gonna <laughs> you're gonna be missing something you're gonna, from you're, this one. you're gonna be like hmm yeah all right so we're we're having a difficult time like pussyfooting around the actual getting in depth into the conversation about the movie so uh we'll take a break from that for a second we'll talk about the things that uh we've been drinking recently and what i'm drinking right now um first i just want to put in a little bit of a plug here for our patreon Um, you can donate to the podcast and help us with our hosting costs and things like that. Um, really helps out for us in the long run because we just put our time and energy and, and money into this and we don't get paid for it and we don't expect you to, you know, pay for every episode, which is why we release it for free. But if you could help us out in any way, we do have a Patreon, it's patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Check it out. And, uh, we appreciate anything that you can throw at us. All right, so moving on to uh, the beer that we've been drinking lately. Um, you don't have anything right now, but you did bring a growler from our new local brewery. Yeah. So right down in Gloversville, New York, uh, upstate New York, very small town, sh- shithole. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got a new brewery. It's not technically open yet. No. It's uh, kind right. of like um, in uh, beta testing. Yeah. So, <laughs> something on, like that the, it's on the hush hush it's yeah but it isn't it isn't though because it's on untapped i don't have you seen that no they actually have an untapped like listing for most of their beer i didn't check all of their beers but i know the one that we're drinking right now it does have one mm. so that's interesting so i mean i think that they're really kind of trying to push the word out i don't know if it's hush hush but it's like only open at certain times and you you it's not like you can really as far as i go know. there for as far as I know, the way they make it seem, it's just like something they do on... Like a homebrew type thing? Fridays and Saturdays yeah. um, when the firemen are done working. Mm. They all come So, in. like, if we were to go without our friend Matt, who's a fireman, would we be able to get in? Yeah. Oh, we would. Okay, so yeah. it's not like just like you need a fireman to get in. No. You know, <laughs> like, no. he's your pass. No. No, okay, all right. You would get in, but so that's it's not like, So, it's not super hush-hush. But I like, think that's how... 
At least that's the way he made it sound like. That's how the... That'd be a pretty interesting way to run a brewery if you're like, Brand well, Fireman! <laughs> they, well, they got like a credit card thing set up there too. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So they, they've actually... So they're, I mean, it's they're getting operational really yeah. is, is the, the key thing. And I guess they're just not ready to get... To get off the ground yet they're still like in testing i i'm sure they're probably still testing out their recipes and like you know kind of getting a sense of the public's feel for what they've been making um i know that you said that one weekend they actually sold out their brew yeah it was during the chili fest chili fest cook-off yeah um so i realized that we haven't even said the name of this brewery yet but it's uh it's called stump city brewing um the name comes from gloversville yeah it used to be before us the city of Gloversville is Stump City. Yeah. Unofficially. Because um, the Adirondacks and the logging and all the trees that were cut down around here, people just, travelers referred it to Stump City. So nice little uh, history for our area because most of the time, I'm sure when we mention like where we're around, a lot of people don't even have any idea where that is because Gloversville, like Mayfield, up. where we mention, not on the map really. Well, you just got you just got to say like, hey. You know, Gloversville, it's called Gloversville because they make gloves. used to be the glove capital of America. That's true. Made 90% of the gloves in America. Yeah. Here's your fun fact. Yeah. So we got a little bit of a history here, even <laughs> though we like to think of ourselves as a little boring town. But uh, now we've got a new local brewery and that's pretty awesome because we don't have any around here in like a 30 mile radius. No. So to yeah. have one Gotta locally make. is kind of nice. And they sell growlers, so you can always be supplied. Yeah. Which is what we have right now. We got a growler of it. Because they're not bottling anything. No, it's just... Just just growler and, and, and tap only. Yeah. Are they distributing taps? Like, uh, uh, any I kegs around? Well, not that I know. They'd be... I mean, I'm sure they will at some point, because that's... They're going to want to promote, like, local yeah. flavor and stuff like Project that. Project 29 would take... Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, our, our local Project 29 uh, bar... Which certainly serve that they love they love to serve like any local New York beverage. So, but uh, the one that we got today is the Cayadutta Cream Ale, and um, I'm, I'm assuming that, that say that three times. I know, so right? Yeah. I'm assuming that all their beers are named it or after places in this area, like yeah. Cayadutta. Um, and uh, this is actually a very good beer. I'm I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Very light. Um. Very malty for very. It is malty, yeah. For a cream ale, mm-hmm. um, I like it a lot. It's got almost like a. It's getting almost close to like a half of eisen to my taste. I kind of almost taste like that, um, banana y sweetness to it. I don't know. Maybe that's my imagination, and I'm not saying like normally I don't like half of eisens, but. I do think that it's an enjoyable beer. Um, it's got a nice golden color to it, which I like quite a bit. I'm very happy that they one of their flagship beers is a cream ale. So I mean, it's are, a very underappreciated. It is. You're a very big fan of cream ale. So how do you how do you like it uh, in regards to like other cream ales that you've had? I mean, it's really good. Um, um, Do you taste that weedy sort of hefeweizen flavor? Yeah, no, in there? it's definitely at the front. You get a very like, as I said, malty. I meant like a weedy sweetness to it. That's all, like you said, borderline fruity. Yeah. Um, 
And it's very crisp, very light, and refreshing, too. It's only, I think, like 4.5%. It is, yeah, like 4.5%. Yeah. I, I like it a lot. I think it's a good beer that you can just chill out with and drink quite a bit of on, you know, warm day. Yeah. Chill out, drink a cake out of cream ale. So, have you had any other other beers? No, this is the only one I've had so far. So that's the only. So you actually went there. Did you get a cream ale while you were on tap? Too, yeah, while you were there. Yeah, yeah, I was wasn't there for too long, so I just grabbed what you knew. I had my friend Matt fetch me a beer, and that's ah. when he came back with. Him. Does he like the cream ale? No, I didn't think so. He's not a. I mean, what does he no. normally get when he's he, here? He just likes the red ale. Okay, all right. So they make a red ale. The cream ale. A pale ale. A pale ale? Uh, espresso coffee stout, I think. That sounds really good. Sounds like that's an experiment for them, because, I mean... Um, something else. I can't remember. Hmm. And I, they do have a hard cider there, too, that they don't make, but it's from the local... Nine pin? No, it's from the orchard that's, like, right down the road from them. Hmm. So, well, that's interesting, then. So, they the orchard makes their cider... Make cider and they sell it there too. So is it hard? It's hard cider yeah. though, huh? So they they make their own hard cider. I didn't know that. I wonder if they don't. Right, right. There's an orchard down the, the orchard road. makes the yeah. cider, but I, I mean, you would think that we would have heard that they make a cider, but it's not distributed. Maybe they're only going to be distributing it through Stump City at that point. Probably. I don't know. That's interesting. Just I think they said. Our, I think they said it's just because there's friends. Because there's a couple like. They weren't teens, but they looked like teenagers. Right. And like, oh, the hard cider's really good. Can I get it in a growler? And like, no, nah, it's so, you know, it's uh, right down the road, actually. The guy makes it, and he brings us some, and, you know, he lets us sell it. And you can get it up there, too. Interesting. And I was saying, like, I didn't know there's a fucking orchard up there. No. No, that's news to me. I'll have to check it out, because look at that. Our local community just really picking up. <laughs> Before Getting you, some class. Before you know it, we're going to have a, what do you call it? Whole Foods. There you go. Yeah, yeah, right. We're going to have a Whole Foods. Having <laughs> to donate $10 every time you get done shopping. Get, Otherwise, the cashier is going to berate you. <laughs> Getting classy up here in Gloversville, New York. So, uh, if you're in the area and it's a Friday or Saturday, you may be able to check out Stump City Brewing. Uh, like we said right now, they're in kind of a testing mode, but I'm sure that as business picks up, people hear about it, they'll uh, start doing more business. So that's really exciting. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing. I'm, I'm glad that we've got something like it. And it's been a long time coming. They've been working on getting this up and running for a long time. Yeah, for quite a while. So, and yeah, I think it was actually some funding too. They, they actually uh, got some funding for it through like one of those like GoFundMe pages or something like that. So really cool. Um, check it out if you're, if you're around the area. All right. You ready to get into Ghost in the Shell? I am just nipping at the bit. I know. So first things first, Scar, Scar Joe. Yeah. Hot or not in this? Always hot. So always, (laughs) always hot. I, um, I gotta say that I like the black hair. (laughs) It's like blackish, blackish purple purple hair, blackish purple blue. I like it. I like the cut, like the style. You think they should, like she takes roles out now based on the wig she'll be like wearing or whatever? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it does seem like <laughs> it does seem like she's always sporting like something different for for a wig. You know, like Black Widow, you know, bright red hair. Yeah, I don't know. I'll take it all. <laughs> take it all. Um. All right, so we got to get into the tro- uh, the the discussion of 
was ScarJo the right choice for the film itself as a as a protagonist for Major? Because we all know that was a uh, uh, a big conflict when the trailer and news of Ghost in the Shell first. And dropped. I think if I remember correctly, I said I'd hold my opinion until I saw the film. Same no, here. Though I, I think, though I think I said I don't understand why they probably didn't cast a Japanese person. Because I'm going to be, but at the same time, I feel like I was like, but I'm sure they have some reason why they right. didn't. And right. I'll, I'll yeah. hold off until. I think that was the biggest thing is that a lot of people right at the at the start were jumping on it as like, oh my god, they whitewashed this. You know, why isn't there a Japanese woman playing Motoko uh, Kusanagi? as the major i mean that's a big part of the original film itself and i think yeah we were like you know we'll hold our tongues on this one because it was a huge point of contention and you really don't know at that point it maybe there was a reason in the film why they left it like that why they wanted to use an american woman in that scenario because this was not supposed to be a direct like remake of it they weren't taking the exact same things from the original Ghost in the Shell, and putting them into this film and trying to do it like that. So I think we did kind of hold our tongues on that and that part, that contentious backlash that it was getting. But after seeing the film, and I know a lot of people are not going to like this and they're going to call me an SJW social justice warrior and and a snowflake and whatever else you want to throw at me, I don't really give a shit. You cuckold. Yeah, yeah, that too. I really don't care. And I really don't have a horse in the matter because I'm fu- I'm white fucking straight man. So, uh, it, you know, whatever happens to me, is I'm, I'm going to be fine. You know what <laughs> I mean? But at the same time, I am super liberal as well. And I do need to comment on it just a little bit because watching the film, I was very perplexed at the way that it goes about explaining this so when i was watching the film and the film kind of just it doesn't at the beginning of the film there's no explanation there's nothing about the major she's just a major she has a different name um and she so she's not motoko kusanagi in this film at all and for the majority of the film it doesn't really reference that so there's no i mean it doesn't bring that into any kind of context which makes sense because she's a cyborg so she can have any sort of body doesn't matter she can have any sort of body that has been designed i'm fine with that i'm fine with them not explaining it at all except when we get to the end of the film and we find out that and spoilers if you haven't watched the film you probably should skip over this because i'm gonna give away the the main part of the plot here but you find out that the major is actually Motoko Kusanagi, and she was basically taken, and her, her um, all of her memories and everything were put into this shell, which oh, into her cyber brain. Yeah, into the cyber brain. Which at that point, <laughs> I found way more offensive than if they had just not mentioned it at all. And the reason for that is because if we're we're talking about a Japanese company who's the Hanka 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 Corporation who's mass producing these like well they're not though well they have created many but they're they're test 
They're t- yeah. Like she, she's a she's a they're a prototype. St- still technically a prototype. But they're they've created many. And these ro- these robots that they're creating are all perfectly white and beautiful and uh they're not certainly not Japanese from this Japanese company. But the CEO's white. The CEO is white. Which I mean, I guess makes sense, but why is this yeah, I don't know. It just that doesn't make sense either to me, really. Why this white CEO has a Japanese corporation? I, but anyway, they are they are producing these robots that are white, as though there's like, as though that is the perfect style because they're creating the perfect specimen. That's the, that's the main goal: is to create the perfect specimen. So they're creating these robots. They're they're white, and then they're putting a Japanese person into. Well, and that's their weapons. The CEO specifically uses the word that they're weapons, right? But they're still supposed to be perfect. So so you could be like flipping it and be like, yeah, no. So so, so the so the white white people are just dangerous weapons. I don't believe <laughs> I don't believe that it's like that at all. That that's the offensive thing. That's the thing that I think that most people didn't pick up on, but is actually really offensive. Is that they're finding. They're saying the perfect person happens to be a white person. I think the most offensive thing about it is that whole angle. I don't care that it's about the robot, the cyborg having a white shell or whatever. I think the whole offensive part is there is no need to have this backstory of the major being an orphan, uh, not an orphan, a girl who ran away from her mom and to be with her boyfriend and being like some political stuff and then get you know rounded up by the cops you know beaten and killed and that only so they could be told that they were disappeared and then they use them as test subjects for the Hanka corporation for this these prototypes to build these ultimate cyborg weapons mm-hmm. that's stupid yeah it's, you it's don't a stretch need... it's so, it's like so so that's that's not even in the the the, the ghost in the shell anime film no and it's not even a factor in like the standalone complex TV show. It's or not any there. Of, yeah, it's not there. Um, the whole backstory behind, like, you don't need to know. Like in the original film, you don't need to know the major's backstory. All you need to know is she's a cyborg with a human brain that's been cybernized. Right. Does is she still a human or is she uh, now totally a machine? Yeah. And that's where like you know the film yeah blossoms, and that's like that's its whole. The whole main focal point and drive behind the film with action and character moments fit in. Yeah. And this one's like, you know what? We're not, we're not going to do that. We're going to make it. So it's a revenge story. And like about like, it, I wouldn't say it's stereotypically so much like a Western thing because I can't really think of off the top of my head a lot of like Western things are about like, what about my past? Mm-hmm. About my past, you do see that in anime a lot, though. Car- like lead protagonist trying to figure out about their past, who they are, who they yeah. are. So I, I can make the connection there. But even st- like still, you like you didn't fucking need that. That's like no, that is it's pointless drivel that you didn't need. You could have wait, wait, spent more time and- on just like the characters themselves. Because uh, uh, the characters in this film, outside the major, they get no, you know, no yeah. time to breathe or develop. I really do feel like that stuff was added to just give some, give reasoning 
for the fact that like okay well we have we have a white person in the lead as major i and and a white person as hideo um or kuza as he's as he's known as the villain i i th- i don't I don't think there's any other reason for it besides that to explain away like, well, this is why we used a white person because we could because they, they were actually, you know, we took a, a, a Japanese person's um, soul and we put it into another body. It, it's I, I think that it's more offensive. I, and I, I didn't think I would actually be affected. Like, I'm not just knowing that, OK, they have a white person playing the major um, and if they left it at that, like no backstory for the major at all, would have been fine with it. Would have been totally cool with it. But then I think they added that extra backstory about it and it it made it worse. It, it really did for me. I mean, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't say like in the major's character design in the anime, there's anything like outwardly, you know, Japanese about her. Well, there's not, but I, I mean, mean, but the name. Yeah. But I mean, but even still, like, outside of, like, her and Bato, because Bato's, you could almost, with, like, his, like, bright white hair and whatnot, and you could almost say, like, he could pass for not, you know, being not Japanese. Mm-hmm. But everybody else in, the, like, part of Section 9 is clearly, you know, Japanese, like, with Togusa, Aramaki, Shikawa, Saito. Yeah. You know, they all are, but I mean, like, I mean, to me, it's not even that big of an issue. After watching it, it's not even, like I said, I find, like, the most offensive part is just, like, them shoehorning in that explanation. Like, oh, she she's not really Mira, which is what they call her, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, uh, she's Motoko Kusanagi. You could, just could have had her be Motoko Kusanagi. Yeah. And then she's white because that's just the design of the robot. Yeah. And no big deal. And then you could have... And then you could have done something about, like, if you did still want to do, like, the whole memory shtick. Like, she wants to connect to her past. Um, you could have just done it, like, she has the same name, but they just gave her false memories of, like, a life that, like, you know, that she didn't lead. Like, no, actually, this is what happened to you. You know, you didn't have to do this rigmarole. It's, it's a rigmarole. Yeah, it, it, really, it really is. I, I think it's to excuse that. I think, and like I said, I don't. To me, this isn't going to affect me, but I you can totally see how, even in just this one scenario where it would have been very plausible to have a, a Japanese lead, it didn't happen. That's the problem. Well, it's called box office, right? Exactly, <laughs> and that's a pro- it's a problem. It's it's not only a problem because of the way that it's being marketed is like, well, we need a we need a white person to market this, but it's also just a problem in that. It was it was totally unnecessary. Well, but how would you feel? Because I was reading this today. Uh, originally, Margot Robbie was supposed to get the part. Would have been stupid. Would have been worse. Would have. Yeah. So you, it's almost like count your blessings. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like just, count your blessings. Just imagine Margot Robbie like skipping around. Like, <laughs> yeah. No. I. Yeah. I. <laughs> yeah. It could have been worse. I. And uh, like I said, you know, getting over that offensiveness. Be. be being like, um, you know, I'm, I'm. It's not like I'm not going to see the movie or boycott it because of that. I'm just pointing out that there definitely are issues, and that, like, when when people say like, oh, you know, why are you concerned about it? Don't worry about it. It's like, well, you kind of, you kind of do have to worry about it. But at the same time, I'm not going to like boycott it for that. So skipping over that, I do think ScarJo does a pretty good job as the major. Although I do think 
I, I think that even with her being like a cyborg and not really sure of her past and not really sure like of like who she is, I think that her reactions are still fairly wooden because it's not really, I don't think that the major in the anime or anything that we really see in Ghost in the Shell is that emotionally detached like ScarJo is in, in this film. No, the the Japanese dub, she definitely, especially, standalone complex, she has much more of a, you know, mm-hmm. personality, but that's because it's more fleshed out. Well, she does have a personality and like a sarcastic tone in the original film. She's not totally, yeah, right, exactly. she's not totally wooden and robotic. The roboticness comes from the fact that she doesn't like blink. You yeah. ever see her blink and yeah. like and how she like moves and she doesn't need to because she yeah. is cybernetic yeah but... and stuff like that. But like her, she, again, she's she has a cybernetic brain. It's a human brain inside. Yeah, get, get, you know it's like ghost in the shell. You know, come, connect the dots. So it's not like yeah. She, she's, but yeah, I, I thought she did fine. I like I said. I think they didn't spend enough time with. Like talking about characters now, they didn't spend enough time with anybody really to like have her have an interaction. Well, yeah, that's meaningful. Yeah, Bato is supposed to be like a meaningful interaction, but it's not meaningful because they don't give jack shit for Bato to do. Yeah, because like he's supposed to tech, he's like her partner. If you think about it in like a po- like a police sense, like they're partners together. They work often together in the original anime. And then even in this, like, you're supposed to think that they're working together quite a bit, but they don't really get many interactions that do not involve them literally doing something for work. Not, not only, no, but not only that, but it's just like... They're like, just like, it's they're inter- like down to business. Their interaction is like so one-sided though, like just like, in, like when they redo the whole scene of like the major diving. Yes. It's like totally pointless because... It totally loses its meaning because, like, where in the original film she's diving, and when she comes back up, Bato's they're on Bato's boat, and he's, they're like, she's like, he's like, oh, what's a cyborg you need to dive for? And you know, she's like, that's where I go to, you know, think and have all these, you know, thoughts about who I am and all this, and it's like a nice little interaction. And this he's like, why you do that? Because I want to. Oh. Well, you don't ever listen to me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Bato's make, a sad sap in this. Oh, make sure you feed my dog. <laughs> the, the dog. You yeah. know, instead of being, like, witty and... Show, like, again, like, showing, like, a meaningful connection. It's almost just like... It's, like, again, it's sad. It's, like, just like... He's like, oh, I, I like you, but you you just don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, I don't really like the way that they portrayed Bato in this at all. No. And and I think... It's a, that's a bastardization right there. I think, like, in that sense, Ghost in the Shell is, has, like, a a dark theme, but at the same time, it has those those um, moments of levity with Bato and, and uh, Kusanagi, where they're kind of, like, jokey, sarcastic. It, it gives... It lends itself, like... To those two emotions, like you have, yeah, it's dark and brooding sometimes, and you it's thoughts on uh, on life and and uh, you know your past and things like that. But at the same time, you got that levity of the jokiness. In this film, it's kind of always just brooding. There's yeah. there's always like, <laughs> well, that's that's the thing though. I I, I think well, it's not just this film. It's a lot of films. no, it's but true. Yeah. A lot of films these days they just don't know how to hammer you know 
it's either we gotta be brooding or we gotta be, you know, campy, or if we do both, we fuck them both up. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I do love brooding dark films. I don't I don't think no, that's bad to, to always no. be dark and brooding in some no, cases. But no, again, you're right because again, Nolan's Batman films Absolutely. are like the perfect example. I wouldn't change him up with any fucking Batman just dropping a joke here and there about Alfred or something like that. No, no, <laughs> I wouldn't no. change that up at no. all. But. So, no, I, I, again, I understand, but I th- again, I think it's like, I think screenwriters and directors today, they just don't know how to mm-hmm. combine the two successfully. Yeah, because it, in this film, it does seem like they're at least attempting that sort of rapport between the two. And not only that, though, too, anime does have, like, especially, some, especially like, not Ghost in the Shell per se, but like Shonen anime has ve- is very notorious for like having like serious moments, and then one second later, the popping it joke nosebleeds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like other, popping yeah, out the nosebleeds. Yeah, the other day I was like watching a clip from uh, somebody posted on like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Yeah, and it's like a sad scene where like. Alphonse is like criticizing Edward, saying like you probably like I'm probably not actually a real human, like you know, or a soul bound to this armor. You probably just gave me memories because you you know you needed something, and I'm just a tool to you, isn't it? Aren't I? And then like like oh no, they have this sad scene where it's like no, I did it because I like I didn't tell you what I was you know I was afraid to tell you because you know I feel like I ruined your life and mm. it's a sad moment that all of a sudden like within like a split second of that they crack a joke like a like smack them over the head like you're an idiot type of joke and everyone's like ah, make a, like you know googly eyes yeah so it's uh, speaking of not like, saying do that but I'm yeah, right yeah but yeah. I'm yeah yeah you don't I, I mean in this film it doesn't really know how to transition between that it's just, there is no transition really it's just kind of always dark and brooding and you you follow and, this, is, and, this is a very humorous film right and again you you mostly just follow the major as she goes through the process of figuring out what happened to her and like her memories because she keeps having these glitches in her memory where it shows that past when she was Matoko Kusanagi and getting dragged out of a burning fire and that's not like the glitches though they don't they're like terrible in that like that's a good idea yeah it's that's a good idea but i think the way they execute it is piss poor and i think that has to do with the idea of like implanted memories that just does not come out in this film at all it it like in in the original ghost in the shell that's a very important part of the film. Is, ha- is hacking, hacking in- into people's minds. That's what the puppet master does. That's why he's so threatening. Because everybody terrorist. now has cybernetics. Togusa that- is one of the few people. He's one of the officers that works on the Section 9 team. He's one of the few people in the modern age that does- has no implants. He just wants to be a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and th- so in this future, you have like everybody's got like some form of cybernetics to them. Yeah, and, and that can be hacked. Yeah, and that's why the puppet master is so threatening in that because anybody can be hacked, and when you're hacked, you can have implanted memories that you don't even realize are not real. They're real to you because you've been given them, and now you remember things that didn't happen. It's um, it's a commentary on, for one thing, manipulation, cognitive dissonance, um. Even like eyewitness testimony, it's a great, it's a great idea. Like just over, like looking at it from like the first film, it's like it's just a in the franchise as a whole, it's a brilliant idea. Exactly, just like this idea, like 
you, like, I don't have, like, if we both had cybernetic brains, we, brains, we wouldn't have to, like, use cell phones. We could just, like, telepath, it's not really, it's not telepathy, but it's, comes across as, like, telepathically communicate with one another. Like, you know, like, hold a conversation. Cause right. Because we, we could connect ourselves to, like, the, you know, the internet and our minds, and then, like, hey, let's, you know. Yeah. But it, it's like, that's a cool idea, but then, like, here's the trade-off. Your brain's got part computer. Yeah. Your brain can be hacked. So you can always you can always have memories that you don't realize are not real. In this film, it attempts that. It attempts to put that idea in your brain that like in this world things can be hacked, people can be manipulated, but it's very clumsy at the way that it does it. So one of the scenarios that actually happens in the anime and happens here as well is that there's a guy who is attacking Thanks to uh, Kuza's implanted memories because he thinks he has a daughter. And he thinks he needs to. But it doesn't come out in this film. In the, in the original film, that's a very moving moment. It's like, because it is it is so... It, it's like, well, first of all, it's for us to imagine, like, what what is the... Like, what does it matter if it's not real or if it is real? He believes it's real. So, to him, it's real. So, that's that's affecting... It's emotionally affecting. Like, you you have to think, like, does it matter at that point if implanted memories aren't real to most other people? He believes them. So, where do you draw the line between, like, well, that guy is just crazy at this point. Or, you know, he actually believes that he has these because somebody put that memory in him. There, There's all kinds of questions about that. But in this film, it's kind of glossed over. Well, what they do is they take, the, like, they have the scene... And you know what? I'll give them credit for at least putting this like scene within the film because it's one of the most iconic scenes in yeah. the in the original movie. Is you have this scene where Bato and the major are trying to chase down a garbage truck, which has two guys working on it. One of them's working for the puppet master, or whatever the f- I'm not even going to say his name because he should have just been called the fucking puppet master. <laughs> I mean, that was just fucking stupid. Kuza, Kuza, Kuza. I mean, no offense, but I'm just saying they should just. I have no idea why they just didn't call him the puppet master. It would have been so easy for the government to say he's a terrorist. He's the puppet master. Yeah, and you know, but because he's not really mastering any puppets at this in this film, he is the same a little bit. Yeah, but it doesn't. Like I said, it doesn't come out that much. You just still could have called him the puppet master. Yeah, you could have. No one would have been any wiser. But anywho, in the original film, when they're you had the interaction between the two guys in the garbage truck. The one guy is trying to explain to the other guy, like, hey, you want to see a picture of my daughter and whatnot? And the guy's like, I don't want to see, you know, your fucking daughter. I don't care. So you don't get to see the picture. So when the whole chase happens and the shakedown and the fight, and then he gets brought back and then they're explaining to him that what he's remembering isn't true. They're false memories and they make him look at the picture and he doesn't see the daughter anymore. He's like, what happened? They're like he's like I had a daughter, I had a family, and they're like, no, you live alone. You've had a bachelor's place for ten years. You had nothing. It's more impactful. And here, yeah. that interaction, the garbage truck between the two drivers, is so like just quickly. Like if you blink, you're gonna miss it. Glossed over, not paid attention to. And then when you have the fight afterwards, and then Kusanagi interrogating the guy. It's so haphazardly done, slapped together, and done in such a way that just doesn't even, like, really reveal anything like that no. should in a meaningful manner. It's totally, 
when you get to that revelation, it doesn't hit you. It doesn't really mean anything to you because it's no. like, oh. It's a very quick moment. I think even Bato just says something about, like, does it matter at this point if it's real or not? Like, that's yeah. it. And the reason I bring this up before people say things like, well, this isn't a direct remake. You know, they're not taking scenes specifically from it. You're, you're trying to make this into something that it's not. The reason I bring this scene up specifically is because it is taking almost a, directly from the original film. And that theme is very important to the original film, to and, the original film, and, and the, to this one basically, because again we have another protagonist who's really not sure about her memories. She's seeing these things happen, but she doesn't really know that they're hers. And you, like at that again, at that point, it's like what is what's real to her, and what's not, and you know what does it matter at that point? It it's very important, but that scene is so glossed over. It has very very little impact, and I don't think that if anybody is seeing the remake of Ghost in the Shell and they didn't see the original anime, that scene would like fall flat. You'd be like, well, I don't really get why that was in here. Like it, there's no, it, it doesn't even explain itself very well to anybody who has not seen that original and says, Oh, that's, you know, that scene comes right from that original, the original anime. It's, I think that they did a really poor job with that scene in particular. I was very disappointed because that is very impactful in the original. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the whole... I think the, the way they changed the theme in this film compared to the original, it's... For the worse. Yes, it's for the worse. Because, I mean... Instead of going from a film that's about, you know, where is the line between human and machine, what makes people people and machine the machine... And as we grow and become more, you know, technology, yeah, more technological, how you know, and how does this line become, you know, blurred? And how do we, like, you know, how do how, well, do, how we, do we figure out how do we navigate this very trickle, tricky moral conundrum? We're going to find ourselves in sooner or later, right? But the film doesn't do that. It's about oh, I, memories, a past. Who am I? Yeah. I don't feel connected to the world. Which is the big thing they play in the trailer. Like, I just don't feel connected to the world while there's others that feel connected to it. The film shows nothing. Nothing. To show, see that she's having these thoughts. Except that she's expositing them. Like, I, I don't feel connected to the world. Why? You, they don't... They just... Yeah. Nothing. Right. And, because... then, and like, I feel others are connected. Who? <laughs> Who? You're right. Section nine. You're section nine, but all they are—they're fucking cops. They do nothing except you know cop right. work. You don't. This film—they do nothing with Saito. They do nothing with Ishikawa. They do nothing with Togusa. They barely do anything with Bato. They do stuff a little bit with Aramaki, but even still, it's not like he's doing anything. Right. So it's like, who? Who are you seeing? That's like. Oh, I was walking down the street one day and I saw a family eating sushi at yeah. at this one store and they were and the father lifted the daughter up and was like, Oh, this is happy and They seem and, very connected. Yeah, and like and I'm, I don't get that. You don't get that. So it's just her going like I Right. I, I, I you know I wanna know about my past. My parents died on a terrorist attack in a boat. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about it. Okay. I absolutely and, get that, um, because when you're saying like other people, when she says other people feel connected, she thinks that they're connected. You you look at people, and really, the, when you listen to the introduction, when they're first, you know, when they get done with their first attack, 
um, most of the people in their group have had cybernetic enhancements. So, really, she's not that dissimilar from anybody in Section 9. Because they all, in some way, are not specifically fully human at that point anymore. No, they're... They, they, they have those been... things. And even Bato later on. If anybody's fucking gonna be depressed, I guess it would be Bato, because he lost his eyes. And which he had to have cybernetic eyes. Which in the original film, he already had right. cybernetic so, eyes. So, I mean, it, I guess that does make sense, that he's a little bit sadder in this film, because he fucking lost his eyes. If anybody's gonna feel disconnected, it's gonna be him, because he'd be like, well, I did have cybernetics, but now I fucking have to, because I can't see without no, but, them. No, but he was pretty, he was like, oh, it's gonna make the job easier. Yeah, no, I and know. He's like, I got, I got x-ray vision. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, she's it's, always been... To her, she's always been a cyborg. Like, why now all of a sudden is there this existential crisis of like, I don't feel like I'm in this world and I'm the same as these people. It it doesn't no, it that, doesn't come out. And that's what that's like like the, again the story in this film. Oh, and like overall is it's t- totally its weakest point because again it's taking the strong points of the original and then just. Dumbing it down, and then yeah, and yeah but- again, as you were saying, like you wanted to make for like the intro, which we couldn't get a clip of. It was like right after the intro, and we the first five minutes, I think, after, right after the first five minutes of the film, you when get- there's the uh, initial attack, she jumps off the rooftop, uh, as in the original anime. Um, yeah, she's you- getting worked on by the doctor because she had an injury sustained, and and she's like, I I don't know who I am, and she's like. You know, oh, you're Mira. You have, you know, you may have a, sh- you know, this cyborg body, but you have a soul. You have a soul, a ghost, a ghost that's in this shell. It's like, oh, okay. Thank yeah. you for spelling it out. Right, exactly. Get- it's like if you went into the film and you're like, "Ghost in the Shell." It's a really interesting title, but I don't really know what that means. And then six six minutes in or whatever, she's saying, beating it over your head. It's your soul. It's a ghost in the shell, and you're like. Fuck! Thank you! <laughs> Thank you! Now I don't need to watch the rest of the hour in 34 minutes. Just walk out like... Yeah. Got it! Done! <laughs> There's the theme. And I'm done. At roll credits. Exactly. No, that's the thing though. And it's not just that time. It's like four or five or six... I, I want to say probably on the high end, it's probably like seven or eight times where someone says, It's a ghost. And they're referring to the soul clearly. And then they're like, Yeah, but you have a shell. It, it it happens a lot in this film, and that's I was, the th- I was waiting for someone to be like, do you do I have a nougaty center? <laughs> that's the thing in this film that, like you said, is dumbing down from the original anime. Is that like literally everything has to be exposited to you? How does Kusanagi feel, or actually in this case, Major feel? Well, she'll tell you. She's not feeling connected. Um, that's the great thing about the original because if you don't catch it the first time, guess what? You gotta watch it again. Yeah, watch it again, please. You know. It's only 80, 80 minutes long. Yep. You know. I honestly, I love that about the first one. And it's kind of distinctive of like anime, especially science fiction anime of the time. Is that like, are you not following very closely? Well, fuck you then. Because you're lost. You're, you're like, if you're not paying attention, they don't care. They're go, they're, the plot's moving on without yeah. you. Paranoid Agent? Well, that's not technically sci-fi, but it's like. Yeah, it's still. Up, up, you've seen Paranoid Agent. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like. You haven't been following around like what's right. been going on with Golden Slugger? Too bad. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, it's like serial experiments lane. You don't really understand how the wired works. Too bad. We're which is like another uh, series that kind of like is a, came out a little after Ghost in the Shell. It's very focused on technology and the internet and how it affects people. You're like you're not paying attention to like how the stuff 
we're moving. In in this film, there's like moments where it's it's almost like the director Rupert Sanders pauses the film. He comes out like on a white soundstage, and he's like, "You guys getting this right now? Because the ghost is a soul." And the I shells the body that they're in. If they had like Jeff Goldblum come out <laughs> and just like, kind of like like hold on a second, hold on, I we're would, about we're about forty five minutes this, through. This <laughs> it would be great then. That then that would be like, the greatest. Like yeah, hi, hi, Jeff Goldblum here, getting paid to tell you a little bit about uh, a little about the history of uh, yeah the word ghost and how it became to mean soul in this universe. So. I think I think the only thing that would have made this more cringeworthy. And in terms of, like, how much exposition is, like, just delivered to the audience, like, are you getting this yet? Is if at the end of the film, they just did recap shots of what we've seen at the beginning of the film where she says, it's your soul, like, you're the ghost in the shell. If they just did those recap shots, like, out of Saw, where it's like, we need to, like, put this together in a montage so they get it again. Well, no, they were too busy making scenes that make you think there's going to be a second one. Yeah. There's not going to be a second one. But I, that's, I mean, that would have been the icing on the cake of like, wow, you think the audience is fucking dumb. It's like, here's here's another recap, if you didn't get it from the first five minutes, that the ghost is the soul and the shell is but again, the body. But again, it's at the same time, that whole that whole philosophical idea is not even fucking needed in this film. The whole idea is like, ah, uh, memories. Yeah, exactly. And they barely talk, and I know some people are like, what? cybernetic brain and the hacking and it's kind of there but at the same time it's not really there because it's you're they're too they're more focused on this stupid oh, i need to know about my past yeah and then getting back at section nine and and also the idea that well not section nine uh the yeah Hanka. Hanka. um and the, the whole idea that they're she was actually um in a relationship with Hideo, who is the bad guy, like that's the whole point of the of the film, and it it's it's super, it's very generic, and it's not the intention of the original anime. And for them to boil it down to this for this live action film is really it's just not even worth it at that point. It's like no, why would you skip over the main the ideas? Whole, the whole idea. Now going back to the first film, the original the. And I know it's a bad thing to, like, overly compare. Right, because, but, you know, it's not supposed to be exactly the same. But at the same time, it's really hard to, not to, because in the original, the puppet master isn't, he's not human. There's nothing about him that's human. He is cyborg. Right. He's totally machine. So at the end, he want because Motoko is, you know, part part machine, part human, has that mix. He wants to meld with her to complete, like, to create a new entity, a new being that transcends both, and so they can both learn, grow, die, as a new being. Yeah. And that's and, and So, and that whole idea, totally lost. You can't do it with this film, because at the end of the day, the puppet master in this film, he's just a reject... Same thing, basically. Re- as, a rejected as... prototype is her... And instead of them, you know, melding together at the end, he dies, she just moves on. Yeah, <laughs> I think, like, that's, a, it was a huge misstep for this, because didn't need a revenge story. That happens, it's, it's the most generic action movie trope ever, is like, and even, like, this, 
the trailer where she says, you know, I will find him and I will kill him. This could be yeah. taken Ghost in the Shell style. You know what I mean? It's <coughs> they could have just made it into that and it wouldn't wouldn't have been anything. I actually I saw somebody else's criticism today that was saying like for this film, um, this is this sh- in the original anime. Major is like a force because they show her doing like detective work. She's like a you know they show her doing a lot of work under section 9 whereas in this film we don't even see her doing much work at all she's basically just pondering you get a faux pas let's see that's not <laughs> yeah. a, that they throw in the trailer like ooh like in the trailer they show like them like kissing it doesn't happen in the movie it's just like she rubs her lips yeah. like what's that feel like yeah it's, and it's, it's like it's, and it's because she's like so she's feeling human sensations but when she touch, when you know when I'm touched I feel I feel nothing and it's like you're trying to be deep here not not succeeding not succeeding at all. And speaking of um, the puppet master in the original film too, that's an important juxtaposition because you have a puppet master who is entirely cyborg, then you have just regular humans, and then you have Kusanagi who is a mixture of both. There's a juxtaposition there between this is how a cyborg acts, this is how a human acts, and I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I, yeah. I, you know, I'm a cyborg slash human. And, and again, that's I don't that's know how- the whole makes the discussion of you know what makes somebody human what makes somebody you know machine it's super important and here there's no there's not really any of that you don't it it's 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 like a i don't know it it really boils all that stuff down to a very to get on a little rant and ramp my blood pressure up a little bit uh (laughs) so going back to the original point like when we were discussing about talking about this film 22 years have passed since the original. Technology has, like, gone further in the past, like, two decades than we could have ever imagined. How the fuck can you not, like, make that, like, more connected in this film? Like, even more prevalent. That's, like, should have been one of the, like... If you're going to remake the original, you might as well... You know, like, with the new technology, you have more to say now about that. Right. There should be more. There's nothing to say. They have nothing to say, like about it, with like how we've like progressed so much further. Yeah, like, I mean, even with, especially like, with uh, hacking now, new recent yeah. documents of our CIA, FBI being able to hack us. That, that's but not like we've really, advanced in that way. But not only like that, like again, it's like you think about it, it's like 1995, the internet. I was watching like a thing today. It was um like on Channel Frederator. They're doing like 107 interesting facts about the film. They're talking about. Because the original film was what the first Japanese anime film to be released, not just in Japan, but the UK and the US simultaneously. And it did better in the US than it did better in Japan, because in the US at the time, the internet, 95, it's becoming a big thing. Yeah, was- Japan still wasn't a big thing, so the director thought, like, it didn't connect as well with Japanese, because they didn't, you know, the internet's still a new thing. We didn't know right. what the fuck it was. So it's now, like, today with, like, how we're even more connected with our cell phones and, like, everyone's always bitching, like, you're always on your cell phone and so connected to, like, social media and all these other things. You have nothing more to, like, add, like, with, like, how we've evolved in the past, like, 20 years of society and, like, how we, technology, like, cars and everything like that. Nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Nothing to say. Like, things that, like, back in, again, 95, we were, like, just science fiction, like, one day there'll be GPS in cars that can, like, and, like, add bullshit. And it's true. One day you'll be able to carry around all the information in the world in your in the pocket of your hand. That's bullshit. No, you can do that. Nothing. Yep. 
And it just blows my mind. It's like, how? I know. That's I, that is crazy. I, I don't know why they they couldn't have come up with anything else for that. Especially since the original manga was like so far ahead of even what we had. In, yeah, that came that out in eighty nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Almost thirty years ago. I will, I will say, there's like a slight interesting, I think I almost took it as like a slight interesting take on kind of um, healthcare, is every time the major's getting worked on, she says, I'm Major Mira, whatever the you fuck. You consent. And she gives her consent. And then as she's getting ready to get like, you know, killed by the doctor, I'm putting air quotes in that because it's a... Uh, Red heron on that, but she's saying she's saying over and over again, like I don't give consent, I don't give consent. She's like, oh, we never need your consent. Yeah, I think it's kind of like an interesting, like that uh, is, yeah, yeah, that it, that was, yeah, that was interesting. I don't um, know if it's meant to be like, kind of. Pu- I think it was just supposed to be like, uh, like oh, Hank is bad. You know what I mean? Well, that they're bad and like, but that I still think it's like an, one. I think it's like that's like an interesting com, a little bit of commentary. Yeah. And two, I think I think that's act, that's actually like a smart bit, kind of going to, you know, even though I said that, I don't think the film does enough to kind of do this whole the whole philosophy on Ghost in the Shell right. I think that's one of its stronger points right there, is because if she's not a robot, if I mean if she's a robot, she's fully machine. You don't have, you know, it would be like, oh, would she have to give consent? Right. But it's like maybe she. The, see, this is where it becomes interesting. If she's a robot. Do humans look like does she have to give consent, or if she, if she's such a well developed robot that she's developed artificial intelligence? Say like her cyber mind is actually cyber mind, it's a actual computer. But if she's developed artificial intelligence and ha- you know able to think on her own and all that, and have self determination. You know, should she still like you know does her you know will override what you know the creator the mm. humans want? That's where, again, that's an interesting conversation. Yeah. That's what the film, again, should have been going for. It's not there. It's not there. Not there. You're going to be ding forever if you're looking for it. Well, we talked for an hour about what we didn't like about Ghost in the Shell, but what did we like? Because we, we said it w- at the end of the film, I mean, we said it was fine. I said it was fine. I said, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. It was, it was all right. It didn't rape me on my childhood. That's right. Like Ghostbusters with their women vaginas. So there had to be something that we that we liked about it. Um, I think aesthetically, the film is pretty nice. Yes. Um, I will say though, as I do think, the city that the film takes place in, they don't ever specifically say so. So for all I know, it could be Tokyo, could be Hong Kong, right? Because the original film it's takes supposed to be in Hong Kong, is yeah. more in line with Hong Kong, but. Uh, I think it looks really good. I will say it's a little tad on the you know blue su- like blue tint side, like you see in like as I was telling you, like a lot of like newer sci-fi films, like you yeah. know, like in like the '90s, it was green colors, and this one's like bright, you know, vibrant blues that plague the future. Mm. Um, but no, I, I thought I thought it looked like you know looked good visually, and that, not only that, I think too, like it's a little. I think it calls back a little too hard to Blade Runner. Yeah, setting. Blade Runner rather than the original, the original Ghost in the yeah, Shell. No, I, I, though it looks good, but I mean, like with all like the holographic, thing, it's like y- you're being too. You're trying way. Too, even though Blade Runner's an inspiration for Ghost in the Shell, it's like you're. Tr- it's way too. You're. Yeah. 
We actually joked that it was like using the same settings as the uh, new go- the new Blade Runner film coming out. Ooh, that they were just who asked for a new Blade Runner? <laughs> they were just uh, reusing those. They were doing them, shooting them at the same time, and and using those settings. I mean, uh, yeah, it does look a lot like Blade Runner. I, I think I for the most part soundtrack I, too. Yeah, soundtrack's really really good. But I was and I'll say I like the soundtrack a lot. I thought it was very moody. It it's, is. I don't like. I was actually trying to find the soundtrack today because I really like the moody synth score, sort of like um, minimalist droning soundtrack. I like that a lot. I couldn't find the original soundtrack, so what I did find though is their OST, which is pretty terrible. Of like, you know, like it's a lot of electronic like dance and rave and uh, Skrillex style. No, that's in the film. No, none of that's in the film <laughs> itself, except for the original sound. Uh, the original song, yeah, the which actually it does get like a dubstep uh, outro, I guess I would say, because it's not it's not part of like the full song that you hear. Like you hear some of it in the film itself, but like towards the end of that song, it starts like getting that dubstep, like like bass shutter, and yeah, that's not good. But the rest of the the soundtrack on the film itself is really good. I think it's yeah, it's, it's brooding. It's um electronic with the synth, so it meshes with the theme of the film about like science fiction and robotics. It's and... very like eighty synth. Yeah, film, yeah, which is great. No, it's, I definitely it's... enjoyed that. I did want to bring that up. Um, I think that the city itself, like you said, I, I I'm I'm okay with it. I think that it looks pretty good. Like it doesn't look super CGI. Where I I not like out of like a DC Comics movie. <laughs> Um, where you're just like, wow, everything, ex- everything except Ben Affleck is, yeah, <laughs> but I think it looks pretty good. Um, I just question some of the ideas that they use, like the big holographic people that are like standing up in the city, holograms of like people doing things. Again, as it's I not said, really explained and it doesn't really have, again, a, as I said, it's like more like Blade, that's like yeah. Blade Runner because you don't really see it that too much in, you know, the original no, film. It doesn't really have a place. In the original film, you more just see like a bunch of ads everywhere, ads and like, like things, just very city, overcrowded. Yeah, and like, like you know, like more like you know, cleaner. Like, because the, the city's very clean too. Yeah. And the original, like, you got like little like you see like parts like clean parts, but then there's a lot of like outside, like like you like you see like a main like commerce area, very impoverished. Yeah. Which is how you could kind of imagine the future, like. It's, you know, like... Like, the the 1% have, like, created this yeah. nice area, and then you got the other people who are like, yeah, I don't really sh- care about you. <laughs> yeah. Land, yeah, Land of the Dead, Fiddler's Green. Yeah. They shit everywhere else. Yeah. Fiddler's Green. Yeah, I mean, I like that as... I, I think the aesthetic's pretty good. I, I think most people will agree that Ghost in the Shell looks pretty. And I think it does have some great effects. Post- posters for this film are fucking great. Yeah, the posters are great. I would love the, to have, like... The aesthetics are great. I think that they did a really good job with a lot of the effects, like where um, Kuza pulls off Scarlett Johansson's part of her face. Uh, looks man, really good. It's very, very it does. Good. But man, how easy is it to like remove like just, right and then like well, put just, it back in place like, and it looks pop, fine. Pop, it's like, like pop. yeah, it's like a little puzzle piece. Like let me just take Why that off. You stop. You can't. You know. I I think they did a really good job with like some of those scenes, or like when the um when the one doctor. Has her, um, like, I guess, you, I, I don't know what they are, but, like, magnifying glasses that pop up and they she puts them in place of her eyes. Mm-hmm. That's really cool, too. I think they did a really good job with some of those effects. 
Um, and nothing really looks super unrealistic in that sense. No, uh, again, you know what I also say? I'll say a lot of the interiors too, especially like in like the nightclub and stuff. Just the way it's colored. Again, very blue. It's like ma- Mass Effect. Like, and I'm expecting, like, I'm Commander Shepard. This is my favorite shop in the Citadel to pop mm-hmm. out. You know, and, like, do, like, some, like, we're going to do some raving at the club down here. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm I mean, even okay with the color scheme, though, because I just think that, I don't know, it's it's kind of expected why is it, at this Why point. is it so hard? Like, if you're going to do, like, a futuristic, like, just keep the colors normal. Well, because they... It's expected. No, but why? But it's like, like looking like looking back now, like if you watch the Matrix films, you're gonna be like, This is so silly. Why is everything tinged green? Yeah, I know, but it, I, I I get it in some ways because things have experimented with this before, like T V shows at comedies have experimented with like, oh, we're gonna do like a murder or like a mystery and let's have the lighting and blue tint that CSI has or something like that. It definitely makes a difference because when you're in broiled in that sort of pop culture like you almost have that expectation like well this is a murder show so it's gonna be fucking blue and dark and gloomy and sterile. it's always gonna be re- like raining and um like, just you, yeah but you know what i mean like you have that expectation yeah, and i, I guess know, maybe but it's, but it's fucking annoying like it is but at the same time like it goes in the shell being a Huge Hollywood production. They're hoping for a lot of people. They didn't cast a Japanese woman because they want to sell more <laughs> tickets. You don't, you're not going to expect them to be like, well, we're going to do a yellow scheme for this one. You know what I mean? No, just have normal lighting. Like, Well, normal it, lighting it, it, is, doesn't work because normal is like like you and me right now. No one would be able to see us if we were fucking had a camera on us. You can't have no, that, normal, no, normal no, lighting. No, you're... You're twisting my fucking words on that. I'm not saying. I know what you're talking about. I know. I know what you mean. Just like sunlight. regular, like, like normal, like. Oh, their face is lit. <laughs> their their back is lit. I mean, you can have like some like, like you know, like an area like like if it's like a red light district. Like yeah, you can do like like blue Little red blue or, tinge yeah or lighting. whatever. But like you don't need the whole thing to look like it's. The fucking Far Cry DLC, where you know, from like Far Cry Three, where it's all, you know, bright, vibrant, highlighter color. It's yeah, just... I know. What you're, I mean, I know what you're saying. I, but I get where Ghost in the Shell is coming from too, and they don't want to change anything too drastically, where it's going to alienate those viewers that they think are going to come in because it's supposed to be a science fiction film. People have a certain stereotype of. I don't they... go into when I'm going to see a Star Wars someday, man. I hope they got that, you know. The, no, the, the, but but there's also that expectation in like when you're watching a trailer and it doesn't have if it has that bright lighting or it has a different lighting, you're like, there's a connotation there that you're 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 expecting like oh well maybe this isn't such a science fictiony film maybe it's more of a comedy you know what I mean the, no I the, I realize that that's stretching it but the the, um, the ambiance of the film is from I think that it's, 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 suppo- it's, it's supposed to be from the ambiance of the film should be from its. From its story, characters, the tone set by the score. Again, what like what makes in the original film it like a haunting? Like what are it's like haunting moments? Yeah, the script, the storyline, Spe- the plot. No, but specifically, what's a cue for like it being like kind of like haunting? The soundtrack. There you go. See, like it has nothing. Like again, like the color in the original film, like. The city, it looks like it's a normal city, like, filled with smog and shit. When you get, like, those, like, moments of, like, ha- like hauntingness from the film, where, like, when you get the, that ancient Japanese wedding song choir playing, 
Because that's what it is. It's, it's an ancient Japanese uh, wedding song. Yeah. Yeah, that's supposed to wish well. But it's the way it's sung and the way it's done, it's very haunting, very like sets the mood, sets the tone. You don't need the fucking lighting to like be like, just do it, you know, blue. I get it both ways. I see both I I see both spectrums of it. Mm. You're wrong. Next time I want yellow lighting. Well, who knows what the 2020s will bring us? What's going to be the future color for that? You got green and you got blue, so in the middle is what? Yellow. Yellowish, or maybe even they'll go purple. And it'll be some purple indigo lighting. Well, it wouldn't be the middle. I guess I'm no artist, but blue and yellow makes green, so you'd have to have yellow then for the blue, then maybe we'll go back to green. Yeah. In the 2030s. Yeah, but. I don't know. So, I mean, aesthetically, I do like the film's look. And I know you said you didn't like the slow the use of slow mo. I don't like the use of slow mo, though I do think the action scenes look pretty good. Besides the slow mo, because I think that that slow mo is just way too overused at this point. Like, th- th- so is anyone writing John Woo checks for that shit? <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it's just like you know, I'm I'm okay, I'm cool with like a, maybe a couple moments of slow mo. You don't like the, her slow mo bursting through the glass, guns firing. No, because I think it's overdone at this point and it's it, it's almost becoming cheesy and a cliche to see it. I understand like it's to highlight like look how cool this effect is. She's bursting through glass. Well, it's also in th- real 3D, so It maybe. is true. <laughs> so it's probably like the glass is yeah, sh- you know, it's like make sure that we give the audience as much 3D effect as possible. But no, I do. I I think that it becomes a little cheesy because it's just so overused. I don't think we need every every single action scene to have like four so, moments of slow mo in it because it takes away from the actual momentum of the action scene. And and in this film, I think it's blocked really well. I think like they when, do show yeah no, like when that one scene where she whacks a guy with a baton. And he flips, does a backflip. That's fucking awesome. There's that's only, a really great. There's only one bit of action that's not blocked well, and that's her in the nightclub when she's getting beat by the electric. St- it's very jump. Oh pop, yeah, pop, and it's almost know. like seizure-inducing. Yeah. With, the, with the knights. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's the only time where the action is very. Yeah, but other than that, I think it looks really good. So I don't really think you need the slow mo because we're following it very well. It's blocked really well. And I will, I'm not a fan of the slow-mo that much either, but I will say her, like, that trip, absolute, like, cum shot of the trailer, trailer of her, like, bursting through the glass fire and running on the wall, that would not work as well if it wasn't slow-mo. True. I think, I think that, like, that's like, that's like good, that's, that's good use of slow-mo. Yeah, right, like I said, I think you can get away with a couple uses of it, but you don't need it in every single action scene. You don't need it, like, because it takes away from those moments. If you use it too often... You're not really it like in that scene takes place really right at the beginning of the film, so you're not like overwhelmed with like, all right, here's another fucking slow mo scene. We're gonna this this action scene is gonna take three minutes instead of the one and a half it normally would. No, but I I do think like as you go along, there's more slow mo and more slow mo and slow mo. You're like, well, now it's not as effective. You know, you've overused it. But I think that it's unnecessary because it is blocked so well. As I pointed out before, in there's a gif going around. I say GIF. It's not fucking GIF. Um, <laughs> the, of the Wonder Woman scene where Wonder Woman, it does like a spin kick and knocks the guy over. Well, if you're watching that GIF, you can clearly see that she fucking makes no contact. 
And that's like poor blocking, especially when somebody like highlights yeah, it. Yeah, but and all it gives those, all like those that. like DC video, like movies are terribly blocked. Right, the fight. Like, but I, you can't see what the hell's going on. Like the whole Doomsday fight, it's like I don't yeah, know what's going we, on. We can't see, beat this dead horse again. Yeah, you can always be. You can't tell what's going on in that Doomsday fight because the whole fucking screen's just like black. Yeah. Well, I, but I think like in in comparison, Ghost of Shell looks really good. And there's actual, like, stunts. Like, that is a great stunt when that guy gets hit by a baton. It's fucking awesome. I think that was, that was a, a standout highlight of their their action blocking because it, it looked really real. I think that was really good. And even a lot of the action... I think ScarJo does a great job with her action scenes. I think that um, even, like, Beat Takeshi does a great job with his action scenes, who's Aramaki in, in the film... Um, I still want to know why he's speaking Japanese throughout the entire film. You know, I think I'm. If you're, it he's he's so old school that everyone's using English in modern well, Japan. But he, but he's still speaking Japanese. But you know what? Those cybernetic implants. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I think you you got to just assume I, that they have cybernetic implants. He has an ear that converts English to. Japanese well, no, they were, they were saying, like, in the beginning, they were saying the one guy who, before he got hacked, was saying how, in the minute that his daughter was singing this lullaby, she's only three years old, learned to speak French fluently. Yeah, that's true. So, like, you know, because you can just, like, up, you know. So, no, I, I understand. I totally get it. But it I, doesn't, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, and I, and I don't have a problem with, I had no problem with them speaking Japanese. The only problem I had, actually, is with that theater we were at. They cut so, off some of some the Some of the subtitles are cut off. It's like, you're lucky I know some Japanese so I can understand, you know. No, actually, you know what I, I like, get, too, about I can, it? Is I can kind of understand what's going on. I, I even can, the subtitles are stylized. Like, not appearing on the same... Not, not just, like, centered at the bottom of the screen, but just, like, stylized, like, where he... Top, yeah, no. Yeah, almost like comic yeah, panels. Yeah, no, they weren't at the same spot. Sometimes, like, in top right, sometimes, like, bottom center, sometimes I, bottom right. It's, I kind of like that. I think that's a cool little stylistic choice that they decided to but do. I mean, yeah, but, like, yeah, I, like I said, I have no problem speaking Japanese. I'm fine with it. I just, I just don't get the reasoning behind it. Yeah, there I, wasn't, it wasn't really explained I know, I know. Just in, because <laughs> Beat Takeshi needed to look real cool. Does he speak English? I don't know. May, I, it, not that I mean, it matters, but I don't know. Um... I make, think make, he just needed to look cool. He, I know, he did. I know, Honestly, he, he yeah, did. Yeah, he's walking around with a revolver. I'm like, that's... God damn it, that's Tokusa's gimmick. And you do see eventually Tokusa whip whip out his revolver, but it's like for a brief second, and it's like, well, he's not even really in the movie, so who gives a shit, but... Yeah. It's just funny, you know, fucking old-ass Aramaki's kicking ass with a fucking revolver on some... I, Cyborg yeah. assassins or whatever, you know. I think the reused Tachikoma scene is pretty pretty good. Yeah, that's almost shot for shot. Like it is really. Thing. The only thing I don't like is that they called it what was it? Spider a Spider Tank. Spider Tank. I don't like that they they just call it a Tachikoma. I think that'd be too offensive to us Westerners. They, we would be like, "What the fuck is that?" No, no, you What's speak you speak American here. You speak American. No, I but I I didn't like I didn't like that that they called it Spider Tank. But other than that, I, I mean, that I think it's pretty good. If if I remember correctly, I could be, totally be wrong. But if I remember correctly, I think Tachikoma does translate to Spider Tank. But no, it probably does. I mean, it but, makes sense. But um. I don't know. I, I find it. Like I just it. find it more offensive. They end like on like a, you know, sappy happy note that like, oh, the puppet master got killed, you know, knowing that they reconciled, they found out who they were, and 
But now they're gone. You know, but separate. everybody's good. They're working together again. Section Nine's back together, and they're busting through more windows and shit, jumping off buildings. They don't even explain really what Section. I mean, I know in the first film they really don't go too in depth in what Section Nine because they're not a police force. There is like a spec up, like think like MI six. Yeah, in, basically, and like uh, except they're not like international spot like. Like, part spy, part, you know, police force, but... Yeah. That's that's probably, like, you know... But no, I thought that was a good... Th- you know, speaking of, like, kind of, like, callbacks to the first, gotta talk about the opening. So, the opening, after you have your our little fight sequence... Yep. What'd you think of it? I thought the fight sequence was really good. I think it's a good way to open the film. I think they have that iconic, like, drop from the building. You know, for, for the fans who are watching Ghost in the Show... After the anime, and they're like, oh, wow, you know, I recognize that. And then, I, I like the fight scene. I like the geisha robots. Those look great. Yeah, they look great. I will really say, cool. those in the way they move, very, like, very creepy. Mm-hmm. So it's very good, like, how all of a sudden, they just, you know, like... They kind of shift into, like... Just, like, the, spiders and, yeah. like, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, I think that's really cool. I, I thought I thought that, that whole scene looked really good aesthetically. I'm talking more, though, about the... The credit opening credits. Oh, you mean like the ones where they're actually yeah. building the shell, yeah, where they're building, yeah, where they're building the major. I, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I think it's very stylish in the way that they decided to portray that. I, I, I liked it. I don't really find much flaw with it, especially because like we've come a long way from older films where it's like just look at these words on the screen. Here's the know, how, Just look how, the how, how would you say it compares though to the original? Because the original, it's, it's so it's so iconic. I mean, and it's so... been so long since I've seen the original. I mean, I guess that didn't really make much of a impression on really? me because I don't really like. I don't have much of a memory of the originals opening credits. It, so. they, well, it's very it's very like much the same in this uh, in the remake. Yeah, I mean, to it's, me, it's, it's 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 very it's very much the same done. I think it looks good. I think a lot, like, this is where I would say I I still believe that certain things shouldn't be done live action. Even though, like, it looked good, like, I I can admit, like, it's kind of, like, a little bit breathtaking to see, like, this part in live action where you see, like, the skin peeling off and you get from, like, that false layer of skin on the major and you get to see, like, her actual robotic skin as it, like, peels away from the paint. It's like, oh, that's, like, kind of, it looks kind of cool, but it's, like, you can totally tell... Though it's like how like CGI it looks and you get that disconnect. Where in the original, it's an animated film, so it to- totally makes sense. It can do that and make it look spectacular and beautiful and like a sight to see. Yeah. Um. Again, that's why I say I think like certain things like I just don't think they're ever going to translate well to. Like if they're ever like again, if they're ever to like want to do like a Full Metal Alchemist live action film. Good luck. You're never going to make that like the alchemy in that movie look like it's supposed to like work Mm. and that's just because again it's not gonna translate well and i think that's something i think that's just something overall that needs to people just need to like accept and learn yeah so it's like like don't bother making a dragon ball live action film it's never going to translate screen it's not yeah it's animated for a reason it's not gonna work like what about the new death note that's coming out do you think that's gonna work as a live action, well, they've already done live. Action. They have, a, yeah, in, Jap- in uh, Japanese, they have done the live action. Death probably note, not. But, I mean, I I there, think that that one though is more practical in the sense that like you don't 
You don't well, really it, need a, the effect. No, because it doesn't have to be CGI. Yeah. It's, it's 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 you can totally do it in real because it's just a kid in his fucking notebook, and all all the only thing that you're going to be CGIing is uh. The Shinigamis. Or it could be even practical for that matter with the co- with like a costume or like a well-made costume. You're, you're so funny. <laughs> so naive. But no, I mean, God, aren't they're like 10 years too late on that boat, aren't they? Yeah, it's a, it's kind of weird how yeah. And it, no, it does though it does feel like just yesterday. Like I just, like saw Death Note for the first time. Like, and, oh, and honestly, I've never seen it. Actually, I just I, read it. Well, you should see it too. But. Yeah. At th- at this point, there's no point. I mean, if right, I just it, watch the movie. But, <laughs> but yeah, no. But like certain things like that, it's like, uh, I mean, like I said, I I do think it looks good for what they did. But at the same time, it's and eventually it's it's gonna date itself, and it's gonna look like uh, that looks like shit. Well, that's interesting that you said that because I've seen a few people say that they think that this Ghost in the Shell film little live action film is going to become a cult classic much in the same way like blade runner has that's a loaded question yeah um i mean i I don't think it's going to recover from the box office i mean it came in third on its opening week it's only made i mean it's going to i think it'll make its money back because it's made it made 60 million the first week and it's got 110 budget so oh, it, it'll recoup its budget, but it's not going to be. It's that's not a success anymore. No, you know? I don't think that's really successful <laughs> um, to say. You know, because normally a success would be like, oh, it's already met its budget and exceeded yeah. it. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think that's a. Well, I mean, I, I, was... I mean, I mean, like it's because again, action wise, though, I think the action in this film's good. I don't think there's anything like that you're gonna be walking away that's like that like that makes it noteworthy. That's gonna make you go, you know, God, this is one of the best action films. Um, plot wise, again, like I said, plot wise, it's a it's totally a bastardization of the first film. I think it's just it's most um, problematic part of the movie is its plot. It's plot and characters. Yeah, and so I find. So I mean, maybe maybe aesthetically, and maybe like with the soundtrack, it'll catch on. People like will think of it and have fond memories. But again, like I just don't see it. I think the like the original cult classic is the original Ghost in the Shell. Right. It's why when they did Ghost in the Shell two point we're like ten years later, thirteen years later after the they took the original film and they added new CGI to it, and. It's worse for wear. You'd think like, oh, with this new technology, we'd be able to add new CGI, and it's gonna look. Great. It's it doesn't hold up as well. It the original in its state and with its actual cell shaded drawing and its actual and the CGI that they did use, it still holds up. It still looks like a great film, without going into the parts of its like soundtrack, characters, and story. It still looks great. Everything else also happens to be great. So 2.0 to me is like, it's a total fucking pointless mess. The same thing comes with this film. It's like, it's to- like if you like the original Ghost in the Shell, there's probably no reason for you to ever revisit this film. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is just going to make you want to go back to the original more so than like watching this again. I, I don't really see the value 
in watching this again. Whereas the first, the original film does have value in rewatching, then knowing after you've seen it the first time, knowing like what happens, but you also can piece it together from like piece different parts of it together from rewatching it and seeing everything as a whole. I, I don't really think that it happens with this film. I, I don't, honestly, I don't really think that this reboot is really that surprising. Um, that it went more of a generic route with the with a revenge story and kind of dumbing down the aspects of the original anime. I don't, I I think that's probably it's pretty much what I expected. Although I expected it to be a lot worse than it actually ended no, up being. No, no, I agree. Because again, like I said, I told I said right from the get go when I was talking to you about it. I'm like, I guarantee they're they're not going to do something philosophical. Mm-hmm. It's not Oscar season. They're not. It's not what they're going for. So it's it's they're obviously going to go down some kind of revenge or like you know like something about memories type, and that's exactly what they did. And again, I think the again I think the film's worse for it. I think if they got rid of that as like their main plot about memories and the past and who am I and focus more on the characters that they had, like spend more time with Bato, spend more time with Togusa. Spend more time with Aramaki. Spend more time with the Major and make her more of an actual character instead of a cyborg. Mm. And then, you know, go more into the fact that, yes, she is cybernetic, but she has a a human brain. It's been cybernized. She is still human. But where where does that leave her in the world that she's in now? That's more interesting. Again, don't make Kaizo... Be like, oh, a former boyfriend that was suffered the same fate. Make it the puppet ma- again. Pup, make it the puppet master. Make it somebody who's trying to, you know, reach out to her because they want to feel what she feels and create something. Again, it's that's totally more interesting. People aren't that dumb. Yeah, they can. We you can get into that. There's and again because again the action in this film is fine. It's very good. It's well done. Yeah, the I mean, and the atmosphere is looks very good. I mean, it's not; it doesn't always fit the mood, but it's, it does look very good. And especially with again the soundtrack, that synth score, very brooding, very fits very well. I again, I think it the thematic shift from it having the theme behind again the whole title "Ghost in the Shell" is lost on this. It could you could have renamed this film something else. Because yeah. that whole point of a, you know, your what is your soul if it's in a man-made body? It, there's no point to it. There isn't. <laughs> At the same time, though, they wouldn't have gotten as much mileage out of the exposition constantly referring to ghost and show. Well, I know, I, I know, but like I said, like if if you're not. Yeah, if you if you're not gonna like it like adhere to like the title of its the film itself. Yeah. Besides, we just shouting the words like it's your ghost, it's your ghost, it's your soul, it's your body, which is your show. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then it's there's no not, po- not then, even worth. It. Yeah. Then it's pointless. Yeah. I mean, all right. So let's give Ghost in the Shell a rating. Out of um, ten Tachikomas, what would you give Ghost in the Shell? I'd give it a six and a half. Six and a half. I think that's probably, like, I think it's a very fair rating. Because you have the idea that, like, 
This looks really nice. They obviously spent a lot of time and energy crafting the world, crafting like all of the sort of effects work that they do, like the invisibility, which is actually really looks well done. Very good. I think it looks really good. Um, all of the set pieces and um, some of like the the robotics work that they do. I Man. think it all looks really good. You got to give it credit for that. Um, trying to make that style of that part of the anime into a live action film works really well. It's very difficult to, like you were saying before, to, to uh, take an animated um, film and then put it into a live action setting. There's just, very there's very few animes I could think off the top of my head that would be sued for live action. Yeah. One of them's like Lupin, and it's a damn shame somebody hasn't, you know, done that service. Because how hard is it to make... Like a, a, yeah. a slapstick Mission Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, again, like, I, I, several animes, like, even, like, ones that wouldn't seem so hard, like Trigun. I would hate to see somebody try to do a live action of that. Yeah. Though it seems like it would probably, you know, you could do it. It's like, you know, the humor would never translate. I honestly, I think that, like, um, Joss Sweden would do a pretty good job with that. It's like a Firefly. Yeah, like Firefly, and I, I think that that could be a possibility. But like, you got to think like we've we've now I don't know how long it's been, but there's oh there's been that announcement for years of like an Acura live action film is coming, and that is not another it's, one that's like no I would not pick that to do a live action that that is not something that's going to translate well. It again it's it's a lot about like um the melding of like robotics and man and machine and it, no it just doesn't translate that well to screen Psycho- and psychological power there's a there. lot about that that anime that is very much like body horror type like man and machine melding and then, i don't know that would like only cronenberg as i was just gonna say <laughs> yeah i was gonna say cronenberg perhaps but at the same time like you have I don't know if that's really gonna gonna um, translate well to a live action film. I I just don't. I mean, I think it's perhaps possible, but it's. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. No. I was just just about to say. I like if there like if it was twenty years ago, and you're gonna say like right after like Akira came out, who was going to do an Akira live action? I would say Cronenberg would be. He would. Be able to, you know, to get that body horror for it, right? But now it's like, no, that it just wouldn't. Yeah, I never. Work. I just don't think that's a good choice to bring to Bebop too. Bebop, when you think about it, like Cowboy Bebop is like, when you think about logistically, should work in a live action realm, right? No, I don't think it ever would, though. I don't think you'd ever get the right minds and the right people behind it that would ever be able to capture its spirit, its sense of humor, sense of pace and action. Yeah, that would ever be able to do it justice, and I thank God that movie's in developmental hell, <laughs> and it's probably never going to see the light of day at this point. Yeah, because again, I mean, an Akira is too. I mean, there, it's it's been announced yeah. for years. I know. It's like yeah, it, there's nothing that's been that's come of it really, um, and that's probably a good thing. But I mean, I think that Ghost in the Shell, this remake, is is a serviceable film. I I don't like I said, I don't hate it. I don't think it's a terrible movie or anything or or anything like that. I I would uh, 
I guess I would recommend it to people who haven't seen the anime and just say, you know, give it a chance and see what you think. And then watch the anime. <laughs> right, and then watch the anime and then see see what you think of that as well. I, I, I mean, I think that it's perfectly an all right film. Um, it, does it does it surpass that in any way? I don't think so. I think it's it really does sit at that sort of just above mediocre line at like a 6.5 where, you know, it's fine. It has a nice aesthetic sense to it. Um, and, you know, it, it does seem like it understands the some of the underlying subtext with the original anime, but overall it doesn't really capture the ideas of that original or anything that was meant by the original manga by far. I mean, I th- it, and it hasn't come very far with this adaptation from the where the original was at in terms of like technological advancement. Which which makes me kind of, like again, which with this film I feel even though I'm giving it a six and a half, I do feel pretty sad and disappointed. Because after, again, watching those trailers, I did think, like, wow, this could be actually very good. Before even seeing the trailers, I thought, this is, it's a bad idea. It's, it's on holy ground. It's a film that should never be touched. You don't ever want to see it be touched. And after seeing the trailers, I'm like, they could do something good with it. I don't think they're going to do the same thing, but they could do something good with it. And after watching it and kind of, like, just seeing where they went with it, it's like, if you just went, like, you know, took a few left turns here instead of going where you went, you would have had a great film. Yeah. But they didn't. And I don't know if that's the director's fault or the screenwriter's fault, but... Or a combination of both. But well, I, I definitely think that it's it's kind of a combination in, in that, like, no one should have thought it was a good idea to just deliver so explicitly what was mostly, like, subtextual in the original film. Like, that, just not, not a good idea. It's not um, a good representation of what the original film does. I I think that it was really taking the audience at their lowest IQ level and saying, like, they probably won't understand this and we need to make sure that they do. Which makes you think about it. If you're not going to, like, kind of follow up on the theme of the original, again, it's been 22 years. There's so much more you could say now about today's technology and mm-hmm. add that on to what the original film was trying to say. If you were going to try to go that route, because, like, oh, people are too stupid... Or it's, eh, it's just a niche anime, you know, film. Then why make the film? Yeah. Why? But why bother then? Right. Because again, how many people are going to rush out to see this in an age where most films that are box office hits are either sequels or superhero films? This is neither. Mm-hmm. So again, like you're like technically to Hollywood, this is an original like IP, even though it's you know it's not. Right. So, it's a big risk to try to, you know, dumb down certain parts when you could have just been like, fuck it, we'll do it, you know, do it the right way, and if it, you know, if it doesn't succeed, then, well, we know then to... To scrap it. To, to, yeah. Yeah. But if it resonates, then, you know, then you have a franchise to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, it was interesting. It was an interesting experience. Um, and I would just say that 
any fans of the original anime should check it out just to see what it's about. And anybody who hasn't seen the original anime would probably be better off just visiting, revisiting that anime rather than actually seeing the remake. But, you know, it's a serviceable film. And you're not, I mean, you're not going to leave, like, extremely upset about it or, you know... No, there's nothing that was totally offensive. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna be like, wow, I really hated that or something like that. But it kind of leaves an ambivalent, like, yeah, you know, whatever. (laughs) I didn't really think about it after I saw it, and it was just kind of like it's almost making me want to watch it again, like the the live action film. Yeah, just to kind of experience one more time. What now that now that I've seen it, just kind of go through again and kind of. Though I will say with the trailer, I love who I, I don't know who it is. I do like that Depeche Mode cover. Oh, the cover of um, it, yeah. All the, ever wanted. The slow and ever need. it's like oh, very brooding cover of it. They've been Depeche Mode's been popping up on my Spotify a lot of. Oh lately. yeah. Well, well, I mean, well even you know, that even that song itself from Depeche Mode is very like depressing. No, I know. So then add to it like, well, let's slow this down like thirty no. percent and yeah. Then no, I just find it funny because I've been listening like, again. I've still been listening to REM a lot on Spotify, random, and like if it does, switches from REM, so I have to like Radiohead. Fine with I like Radiohead, and that does like kind of mesh with REM. U two, I like in slight bits. Don't really connect them as much to REM. That's like Depeche Mode, <laughs> and it's like I like Depeche Mode, but like after like you know listening to like Night Swimming, I don't know if like then you're then you're like launched into a whole like post punk. Uh, Since yeah, yeah, genre that you may not want to be getting into. <laughs> I mean, I like that stuff. I, mean, I do too. But, but at the same time, it's like I don't know. I don't see the like. It'd be like if I if I went from like Gary Newman then to Depeche Mode. Like yeah. that makes sense. That makes but sense. REM to Depeche. Yeah, don't see it. All right, it's time for our uh, administrative duties. Um, we thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, normally, if you're listening, you're probably listening on iTunes. Um, so please, we, we ask that you subscribe and, uh, review us, give us a nice review. We really appreciate that. It helps us get noticed. Uh, we're also up on Stitcher and a couple of other different podcast apps that you can use to listen to us. So if you can review us on there, we, we, uh, really appreciate anything that you can give us to help us get noticed and, uh, have more listeners. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. I do post on there occasionally. I post the occasional meme or something like that. Um, so like us on there and you'll get all the updates there as well. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, you can follow us on there. Um, we're on Twitter. It's, uh, at blood and black rum. Uh, I do post, uh, quite a few updates on there as well. So you can retweet us and follow us and all that good stuff on Twitter. We have a, uh, email address. It's blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com. You can contact us, let us know what you like or don't like about the episodes. And you can tell us what you want us to cover for the, for the upcoming episodes. As I mentioned before, we do have a Patreon account where you can help us fund the podcast by donating. Um, this is a donation every month. So just remember that when you sign up for it, um, you can donate as much or as little as you want. We do have some certain tiers that you get, uh, some bonus stuff for. So check that out. It's patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, we will be back next week and I honestly don't know what we'll be covering next week. So, uh, it's going to be a mystery for me and for, uh, Martin, but, uh, one thing's for sure. Keep on listening to blood and black rum podcast because We are 
nearing, and we're not that close, but we're nearing 100 episodes, and we plan to continue far into the future. So thank you for listening. We'll see you back next week.